Today, we are bringing you part of our State of Mind speaker series created in collaboration with MindPeace Cincinnati and sponsored by the Hamilton County Mental Health Recovery Services Board and the COPE Grant. This series has been developed to provide education and support to youth, caregivers, and educators during this challenging time. We're glad you're here to educate yourself and to learn how to keep your brain in a healthy state of mind. Today, we have Dr. Ashley Solomon, founder of Gallia Collaborative, discussing how to build your resiliency toolbox to ensure you are ready for the many challenges life hands us. Hello. Thank you for joining me in this State of Mind speaker series brought to you by One in Five and Mind Peace. I'm Dr. Ashley Solomon, founder of Gallia Collaborative, and I'm going to be talking about social and emotional learning and resiliency today. I work with individuals and groups who are experiencing challenges related to stress, body image, eating problems, mood issues, and anxiety concerns. And one of the themes that I love to talk about and that I get to the chance to talk about with you today is the concept of resilience. So I'll start by telling you a little bit about why I love resilience so much. I love it because it's a skill that we can each develop within ourselves to be able to respond more effectively to what's going on in the world around us. One of the things I hate personally as somebody who it continues to be in recovery from perfectionism and from being a people pleaser and from trying to do everything right is the fact that I cannot control everything. It really, really bugs me. However, what resiliency tells us is that even when the world seems to be falling apart and it feels like there's nothing that I can control, I have these set of tools that I can rely on that I know can help me adapt to what's going on. So what resiliency is all about is, is really about flexibility. It's about problem solving. It's about having confidence in our own ability to make it through hard times. And those are skills that no matter what you're experiencing in the moment um, are going to be useful now and throughout your life. So if you are watching this video, um, you might be interested in, in developing your own sense of resilience. And that's what I hope to be able to support you with today um, through this time together. I want to explain to you what resilience is all about, kind of bust some myths that there are about it out there, give you some concrete tools to work with your own resiliency, and, and maybe most importantly, remind you that you are not alone in this journey. I think the first thing we, to that last point that we need to start with is recognizing that being a human is very difficult. It's super hard. There is no getting through life on this planet without going through struggle. And it's one of the things that kind of joins us as human beings is that we can all relate to the fact that living is hard. The second part of that is that we get to do it all together. And there's such a gift in that because we can look at our 
our peers and at other humans in our lives and recognize that we all have to rely on one another. We all have to learn from one another if we're going to make it through this experience. I think that that has maybe never been more true than it's been recently in our history where things have been really, really hard. And I know that you're experiencing it. I'm experiencing it. There's nobody on our planet that is not um, feeling the stress and strain of some really hard times lately. And so we're in this together um, and we have the ability to do what we're going to talk about today, which is to strengthen our resilience as we navigate these really choppy waters. So let me tell you about what resilience really is. A lot of people talk about resilience as if it is a, um, like a trait, either you are a resilient person or you're not like it's a, a character trait or a personality trait. It's certainly true that some people demonstrate more resilience than others. Absolutely. But the way that I would think about that is that they are demonstrating more resilient behaviors than other people. We all have resilience. We are born with it. Again, we can't get through life without it. So you have it because you are alive and because you're human. And it's a skill. It's not a trait that's either there or not. It's a skill that we can cultivate and that we can practice and that it re absolutely requires practice. People don't get called resilient because everything has gone well for them or everything has worked out. They get called resilient because things have not worked out and they've been able to adapt and flex and draw on their resources internally to get through it. So we all have the ability to dive into the practice of resilience. And again, we'll talk about a few practices today that can help us do that and strengthen that ability. There are a few different parts of resilience that make up what we kind of often think of as resilience. One is being a good problem solver. When we're talking about circumstances changing quickly, which is certainly what has happened um, in our recent history. Things have changed quickly. We haven't known what the right answers are or exactly what to do. Being a good problem solver to be able to address what's going on in the moment is part of being resilient. Another part of being resilient is being having a sense of confidence in our own ability to make it through. That does not mean, just to be clear, that does not mean that we feel like we're on top of the world, that we feel like we're better than other people um, or anything like that. What, what it actually means is simply that we have a self-trust that we are strong enough and capable enough to make it through. And, and it's also okay if we doubt that at times. Um, there are definitely going to be moments as you go through any challenge where you feel uncertain whether you're going to make it through. But being able to kind of come back to our, our kind of core sense of that is what's important. So a sense of self-trust, a sense of an inability for problem solving. The third one is an ability to communicate what we need. No one makes it through hard times alone. I don't care 
who you are, what the story is. You, nobody makes it out without the support of a community. And that might look lots of different ways, but we have to get really good at recognizing what we need and who and where we can draw that from. And the last skill that goes into resilience, so we have um, self-trust, we have problem solving, we have communication and um, expressing our needs, and the last one is flexibility. Because if we hold rigidly onto the way that we it used to be or that we want it to be and we are not practicing flexibility, let me just tell you, we're, we're not going to end up very happy. Um, I think inflexibility is the biggest threat to our happiness out there. We have to learn to adapt and um, experience what's going on as it happens. And sometimes that's that doesn't mean we have to like it. Acceptance or uh, flexibility doesn't mean that we have to love what's happening in the moment, but we have to be willing to experience it. So we're going to dive into some of those um, skills a little bit further as we go along in this discussion. But I I first want to just go back real quick to remind you, this is a practice. If you're sitting here thinking, well, those aren't things that I'm very good at, or three or four of those I'm um, I really struggle with. Again, that doesn't mean that you're not resilient. It means that those are the areas where you can benefit from practice um, and that where you may want to spend more time investing yourself in developing those skills because we absolutely can. Okay, so one of um, one of the things that I love to do, so this is kind of a resiliency tip. I love to read memoirs. Um, biographies are fine too, but I love reading it in the first person. And I love memoirs because they're essentially the stories of people who overcome from their, written from their own experience. I think that reading memoirs has been one of, um, one of the resiliency tools that I've practiced, but it's, it's not just reading something and saying, wow, that's a really amazing, resilient, inspirational person. It's connecting with the story and saying, what in their story do I relate to? What are the things that, um, what are the qualities that that person had at the start of their journey that maybe I have as well? What was helpful along their journey? What did they have that maybe I don't have as much in my life? Maybe they've developed some, some core relationships or they've really practiced putting themselves out there. Those, again, are clues to what I might want to practice and cultivate in myself. When we can look at people that we admire and not just admire them from afar, but really consider what do they have that I would like to bring more of into my life, that can be a really powerful tool. Sort of similarly to that, when we talk about memoirs, um, I know a few people who've written memoirs, but they're mostly I'm reading about people who people from history or people um, that I don't know personally. Another strategy, though, could be to think about or is to think about who are the people that I consider resilient in my life, like that I know in my personal life. Um, who are they? What have they demonstrated? What are the qualities that really sort of shine through in those people. 
And perhaps the next step, um, if it makes sense to, is to talk to those people. They can become resiliency mentors um, to, to really kind of foster that relationship with those people so that we can we can learn from the strengths that they've demonstrated. I think that I have, um, I know that my resiliency has developed as a function of surrounding myself with other people who really demonstrate the kind of values and resourcefulness and skills that I really want to, to develop more in my own life. So I try to be really thoughtful about the people who I engage with and spend time with. Um, do they inspire me in these ways? So those are two ideas for um, bringing more awareness of the skills of resiliency into your own life. Okay, I want to talk about next something called finding our own resource. It's one of the kind of core skills when we're starting to build our resiliency. And here's why. When we are in a, we're in situations that we, again, can't predict, that feel so overwhelming, that feel so hard, um, even that are traumatic, we, we may not, we often can't um, change the circumstances. And what happens is that when we start to experience that loss of control, for many of us, our anxiety starts to creep up. Our body starts to get really dysregulated because um, our nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system is going into overdrive. That fight or flight instinct kicks in, fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze is when it's just so overwhelming that we feel like we're numb and panic. And we can't necessarily really even access like our thinking brain because our our anxiety, one of the things that it does is it hijacks our thinking brain. So in that moment, we're not going to be able to problem solve. We're not going to be able to think of better solutions or how I should handle this because our body is just in overdrive. So that's when we need to draw upon what I'm going to call a resource. A resource is anything. It could be external. It could be internal that you use to help regulate your nervous system, to kind of come back down to where you can feel your breath again, where your body isn't frozen, where you're starting to be able to think more clearly. And a resource is going to look different for every person. A resource might look like planting your feet firmly on the ground and feeling the earth beneath you. It might look like holding a... Um, a necklace given to you by your uh, grandmother um, because it, it helps kind of connect you to a feeling of strength and security or the connection that you had. It might be um, a mental image that you have in your mind that when you can go there in your mind, it's soothing and comforting. It's a safe place for you. You have to figure out what your resource is and to know what that is so that in those moments of high, high stress, you can come back to that quickly. It needs to be something that's accessible to you in most situations. It can be something physical, but then you want it to be with you, easy to carry around. We use our resources when we're in a situation that's overwhelming our ability to cope. 
once we use our resource, we hope that we can ground ourselves back into the moment because that's going to give us the opportunity to use those other skills that I talked about, about communication and problem solving and flexibility. Those things aren't accessible to us until we're back and our nervous system is regulated. Okay, so we've got our nervous system more regulated, hypothetically. The next thing I want you to think about is times that you have been through high stress situations. Um, This can be a great writing exercise. Um, You can stop this video and do this now. You can do come back to it later, but you can spend 10 minutes where you've been through a high stress situation and think about what are some of the vulnerability factors for you. By that, I mean, what are, when I think about things that have been highly stressful or activating in my life, what are some of the common characteristics that these things share? Maybe they are when a change happens really quickly. Maybe it's when something happens where I feel out of control. Maybe it's when something happens that makes me feel alone and isolated. Maybe it's when um, I my boundaries aren't respected. Um, think about what are the common characteristics that maybe really tend to activate you and make you um, or let me say that again, um, that trigger in you kind of less effective coping. What are those things? We want to get really clear on what those are because those are those are the situations where we know we're going to have to build up our resiliency. Those are going to be our high kind of trigger areas, and we are not always going to be able to um, predict them or prevent them, but we're going to know that I'm going to need my resource in those situations. I'm going to need to use those other skills of problem solving and communication and flexibility more Um more acutely, I'm going to need to really strengthen my my abilities in those areas. And that knowledge is going to be really helpful in empowering us to know what we can expect about ourselves. I want to, so now I want to talk about um, something called mindfulness. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with like the general concept of mindfulness. Why we talk, what mindfulness essentially is, is the ability to pay attention on purpose, intentionally, without judgment, without judging myself. The ability to see what's happening in the moment without judging it, without judging myself or or the other person or other people is, let me just say, it's a practice. It's not something that comes naturally for most of us or that's easy to do. It's something that we practice over and over and over. And why mindfulness is such an important tool in resilience is because mindfulness allows us to pay attention to what's going on inside our bodies, outside our bodies, and to be able to not automatically uh, react on instinct out of fear or anger or frustration, but to slow that down and be able to tune in to what do I need? What do I need to do in this moment? 
Um, maybe again, it's coming back to my resource. Maybe it's reaching out for support. Maybe it's, I need to be mindful of coming up with a good solution. That's not going to make the situation worse. Those are, those are the things that we can reflect on when we can pay attention on purpose and put aside our judgment. Um, Mindfulness can be practiced in lots and lots of ways, and mindfulness apps are a great way just to practice mindfulness um, um, tutorials. There's lots of stuff online that you can look up about easy ways to practice. One of my favorite ways to just start practicing is every, every morning and night when I brush my teeth, I use that time as a way to practice mindfulness, paying attention to what I'm doing versus all the thoughts that are spinning in my head, noticing how the brush feels on my teeth, uh, the taste of the toothpaste, the scent of the toothpaste, how my feet feel on the floor. I use that one or two minutes just to kind of reconnect to those sensations. There are lots of easy ways to practice mindfulness, and I can assure you that it will help you in building your resiliency. Another tool I want to give you. I, I want us to think about what happens when we are overwhelmed. So when we feel like everything is spiraling out of control, we tend to be more at risk for what we call cognitive errors. Those are like thinking errors, ways that we end up thinking about what's going on that maybe aren't totally accurate, don't take in all of the information and lead us sometimes to making bad decisions. So for example, if I, um, my partner, um, my partner is taking a really long time to get ready. They tend to do that. Um, and makes us late for, um, a party that we're going to. If I'm feeling really stressed about that, um, then I'm going to be more likely to, to think certain thoughts that are going to make me more agitated, more frustrated, um, more fearful or anxious, even more angry. And that's often going to lead to maybe an argument or me acting in a way that I'm going to regret later. I'm going to think things like, um, oh, the people that are having the party are going to be so offended that I'm so late. They're going to think that I don't care about them. I'm never going to make it there. I'm not going to be invited back. Um, I'm going to miss everything that happens. And people might even start to talk about me. You can hear how I start to get into this, this sort of uh, anxiety spiral. The same thing can happen when we're talking about um, big picture things. Um, as a result of the COVID COVID pandemic, um, I'm not going to be able to finish school. I'm not going to be able to see my friends again. I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, get into the programs that I want to get into because I'm not going to have been able to demonstrate this other thing that I needed to do first. Um, nothing's ever going to get back to normal. Everyone's going to forget about me. Again, you can hear that, that that anxiety can just end up spiraling. And we're more at risk of that when we're in high-stress situations, obviously. So another tool that we can use to, to build our resiliency is to start with our resource. Notice 
through mindfulness that we're becoming more overwhelmed. We notice then that our mind's kind of running away with itself and we can bring ourselves back and ask ourselves, what is the most true? What is true in this situation? Maybe all that I know is that we're going to be a little late to this party. Or all that I can know and what's most true is that there's a really kind of scary pandemic out there and I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I just have to sit with that. But I can't predict it. And imagining all of the negative things that are going to happen, I know is not going to help me be able to deal with it any better. So I have to just sit with the reality that I don't know. This is a process. Some people call it... um, like restructuring your thoughts. Um, I like to think of it as not having to necessarily change your thoughts, but more so to notice what's happening when you're in that pattern and how we can kind of get far away from ourselves in it. We get very far into the future. We get very far outside of our bodies. And um, it's not helpful. We're not coping any better. So the last tool that I want to offer you is um, a mindful or a, a not a mindfulness practice requires some mindfulness, but a resiliency practice that I like to teach to everybody because it's a quick um, exercise that you can do as many times as you want, and it's backed by science. There's been lots of research studies that have shown just how effective this can be. What it is is to take five minutes and only five minutes. Um, no more, no less. So set the timer on your phone, five minutes, sit down with a piece of paper and a pen or your computer. There's actually, though, I will tell you, researchers have found there's something actually more effective about writing this out by hand. I don't exactly know why, but it's true. And write about a time where you overcame adversity. You overcame something hard. Maybe you're saying, well, I've never had to like overcome adversity. Like some people, some people have had such hard lives. They've been through big traumas. It doesn't matter. It can be a, um, it can be something that you maybe consider minor, but it was, it was a challenge. It was hard for you. Maybe you didn't think that you could get through it. Right about that time, make sure in that five minutes you get to what you did in overcoming the challenge. Five minutes. Stop when the timer's up, reread it. This has actually been shown through research to increase our confidence, to increase our leadership abilities, increase our resilience, because it does what we call priming, priming the brain to think of ourselves as people who can overcome. And that is invaluable. Our confidence, we don't have to sit here and just tell ourselves like, um, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. For some people that's helpful, but if you can actually show yourself through stories of, from your own life that you can overcome adversity because you've done it, even if it's not nearly as hard as what's in front of you, it primes your brain to, to remember, I can, um, draw upon the skills that I have so that I can overcome what's in front of me. So I am going to leave you with that practice. I hope that you try that one out. The last thing that I just want to say as we wrap up um, this time together is that is to circle back to this idea that when you are 
when you're struggling with just managing all of the emotions that go along with living in a changing world, um, please know that there's, there's no medal for trying to do it on your own. Reaching out for support is the best thing that you can do. If you're not sure who to reach out to, um, know that I know everybody that I talk to when they initially say, I don't know that anybody is really going to listen or understand. They always come back to me and say that someone understood more than they thought that they did, thought that they would. So I encourage you to draw upon your community, whatever that looks like, draw upon resources like this um, to educate yourself and to practice some of these tools and know that we are all in the journey with you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. And I hope you will visit the one in five and mind peace websites for additional information and resources and to take part in more of these uh, state of mind speaker series videos. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about this episode, you can check out our show notes and access additional information on our website at one n5.org. We ask that you please subscribe, rate, write a review, or share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested in hearing more about how we're changing the mental health landscape. Again, I'm Nancy. And I'm Kayla. And we hope you'll join us next time when we learn more about keeping our brain in a healthy state of mind. Mm